Good morning, everybody. <laughs> so, my sermon title is, Are You Ready? And no, I am not preaching out of Revelation. I don't want to touch that on my first sermon. So, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jared Schutz. I am the youth intern here at Maple Ridge Alliance, and for some reason, I was given the responsibility to preach today. But that's just how it goes, apparently. So, before we start, let's just pray, and yeah. Dear God, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you that you're here with us right now, and I thank you that you're always there for us when we need you. I pray that you would speak through me and let me be receptive to what you want me to say. I pray that you'd open the, the hearts and the minds of everyone in this room to, to hear and understand what you want them to understand. In your name, amen. All right, so, yeah, like Tom said, I am going to be talking from Exodus three and four. Uh, I'll touch a little bit on Exodus chapter two, but let's just start right there. So Moses' birth is found in Exodus chapter two, right at the beginning. And then we go a little bit further and Moses ends up murdering a guy because he got mad that uh, they weren't treating his people fairly. So he murdered an Egyptian soldier and then ran away to Midian, which was around 480 kilometers away. Now, to put that in perspective, that's about the same distance from here to 100 Mile House. And they didn't have cars back then, so that would have been a long walk. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's about, Moses was around 40 years old when he ran away. So we have 40 years covered in a single chapter, and now covered in about 30 seconds. So then we get to the beginning of Exodus chapter 3. And at the beginning of Exodus 3, Moses encounters God at the burning bush. Now, I, whenever I read this, I always imagine that God, or Moses runs away, and maybe Five years later, he encounters the bush, or he encounters God at the bush. But many scholars think that another 40 years passed before Moses was at the bush, which means he's now 80 years old at the beginning of Exodus 3. So if you're 80 plus years old, and you feel like God might not be using you anymore, you feel like he's done with you, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. <laughs> um, I, I've grown up in this church. Many of you have been here for my whole life. And I've been watching you guys, and you guys have been inspiring to me as you live life pushing through the hardships. So maybe God's purpose for you is simply to inspire the next generation. Maybe God's purpose for you is to become an elder here at the church and help guide the church in the direction that he wants it to go. I don't know what God's purpose is for you, but he's not done with you, no matter how old you may be because God used Moses for the most important task of his life from when he was 80 years old all the way to the end of his life. So we begin Exodus 3 with, there we go. Now Moses was keeping his flock, or keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame out of the midst of a bush. I read that because this is just a normal day for Moses. Moses was keeping the flock. He wasn't doing anything special. It was just another regular Tuesday. He was simply living his life when he encountered God in a miraculous way. God can and will encounter you in the ordinary if you're willing to be encountered in that way. Maybe you won't go home and open your fridge and have a glowing milk jug start talking to you. But if that does happen, please let me know. I'd love to hear about it. 
But God calls you when you're in your home to do something that is helpful for your parents, like maybe making dinner or doing the dishes without being asked. God calls you to do something that's helpful for your spouse and bless your spouse by doing a task they don't love to do, but they always do it, like vacuuming or cleaning the toilets. And God calls you to bless your children. It can be something as simple as just making them a lunch. I know I appreciate when my mom makes me lunches. <laughs> God calls you to, say, or to go to your neighbor and say, hey, I know you've been struggling with your family lately. Is it okay if I pray for you? God encounters you at work and calls you to pray over your coworkers, or simply talk to the guy that doesn't get talked to very often. Are you ready for God to use you in your ordinary life? This was Moses' everyday life. I know, I took that picture. I went back in time, and that's Moses right there. Um, no, but this is, this is what Moses' everyday life would have looked like. He has, there's sheep, and there's the mountain there, and there's, that's what his everyday life was. So maybe that's your everyday life in the office. How can God encounter you here? God encountered Moses in his everyday. Maybe God's calling you to go talk to the guy in the red shirt that doesn't get talked to very often. Maybe you don't work in an office and you work on a construction site. How can God encounter you here? Are you ready for God to encounter you here? Or maybe you live in chaos and this is your everyday life. Are you ready and willing to be used by God and to have God encounter you in the midst of the chaos? There's two ways to explain this. And like, you can either be ready to be used by God or not ready to be used by God. And I'm going to explain this with the idea of a backup quarterback at the Super Bowl. Um, so we have the one backup quarterback. They're at the game. They think they've made it because they're just there. They're at the Super Bowl. But they're standing on the sidelines. And you know, they're watching the game, kind of critiquing the players. But their helmet is nowhere to be seen. The main quarterback ends up getting injured. And the coach comes up and says, hey, Mike, get your helmet. You're in the game. And, well, Mike now has to scramble around because he didn't have his helmet, and he thought he was done his job. He thought he was sitting pretty. I don't really want to imagine the conversation that followed, but here's kind of what I think happened. Sorry, coach. Um, I don't have my helmet. I'm not ready to get in the game. And then the coach. What? You're not here to be a pretty face, Mike. Get your head in the game. Followed by a lot of words that I'm not allowed to say here. Um, if we compare that with the backup quarterback who's, who's ready, they have their helmet in their hand, they're watching the game, strategizing, figuring out how to play against this team in particular. And then the, backup, or the main quarterback gets, in, gets injured. Coach says, you're in. It's not a, let me get my helmet, or even worse, I'm not ready. It's simply, yes, coach, I'm ready. So are you ready for the moment that God says, you're in? We need to be ready in the ordinary parts of our day so that God can use us. Are you ready in those ordinary parts of your day? In the chaos, at the construction site, in the office? Are you ready to God, for God to give you your next task? Are you ready for God to say, you're in? So, throughout the rest of Exodus chapter 3, the bush starts burning, and the presence of God shines through the bush and talks with Moses. The Lord asks Moses to go to the Pharaoh of Egypt 
to set his people free from slavery. But then Moses says, no. Imagine that. Imagine having a divine encounter with God, someone who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing. And God asks you, go, do this, and you say, ha, ha, no, I don't want to. I'm too scared. I'm, I'm not good at talking. That's exactly what Moses said. Who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh of Egypt and set God's people free from slavery? No. Moses didn't just leave it at no. He, he went on to explain himself a way of why he can't. But God said, go. And God didn't just leave it at go. He gave reasons of how he would help Moses and that he would be there with him. And Moses still says, nah, I'm, I'm good. I don't want to. So then we pick up in Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it. And it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Now, there's a lot going on in that short passage, but what I want to look at is what God says, um, right, oops, nope, not that, yes, that, but right here. So we have, God says to Moses, what's in your hand? So I, too, ask you, what's in your hand? Each of you have been given something. You have something in your hand. You have gifts, you have talents, you have abilities. You have jobs, you have friends, you have neighbors, you have connections with your community. You have schools, sports teams, clubs. Each of you has something in your hand. 1 Peter verses 4, 10 to 11 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is what was in Moses' hand. You guys can't see on this one, but he has a staff. God was able to use what was in Moses' hand for his glory. Maybe you're a hospitable person. Maybe you like cooking for others. Then... Maybe inviting others into your home and have share fellowship together is a way that you can use what's in your hand for God's glory. 
Maybe you're great at soccer. You can be a positive impact on your teammates, and you can help others when they fall. You can not trash talk the other team. That's one way that you can use your gifts to serve God. Maybe you've been given a heart to serve. That could look like finding ways to help out here at the church, or it could look like finding ways to help others in the community. Maybe you've been given some extra money that God's granted you right now. That's something that can be used for the benefit of God's kingdom if you're willing to throw it down to Him. Maybe you've been given the gift of prayer, and that's something that comes extremely naturally to you. Then pray for others. Maybe you've been given the gift of teaching. Then train others up in the way that God wants them to go. Maybe you've been given the gift of speaking. Then Share the good news of the gospel to the people that you come across. And then maybe you're like Moses. Maybe you're like me, where you don't really feel like you're qualified to do something. You don't feel qualified to speak. But God is calling you to speak anyways. God gave you everything that you have, your talents, your special abilities, and God can use those if you're willing to throw them down to him. You have to be willing to surrender your talents for them to be used by God. Maybe you're holding on to something too tightly, and you don't want to let this thing go, whatever it may be. You don't want God to have access to this part of your life. It's time to let that thing go and let that be used by God. See, Moses was willing to throw down his staff, he was willing to throw down what was in his hand, but that was the easy part. You see, God called Moses to speak. Many of you probably wouldn't be overly happy if God was like, I want you to speak on my behalf to set an entire nation free from slavery, and these people are people that I want to use in the future to share the whole world about who I am. That's a lot of pressure. I know I would not be happy if God said that to me. And that's exactly what Moses felt too, that he wasn't a great public speaker. Exodus 4, verses 10 to 12 says, But Moses said to the Lord, O oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in past or since you have spoken to me, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf? or seeing, or blind. Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore, go. I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Moses didn't want to, because he wasn't a good public speaker. He didn't feel this was something that he was qualified to do. He didn't feel it was something he was gifted in. Oftentimes, we read this passage and we think, why didn't Moses just trust God? Why didn't he agree to God's plan? After all, God is all-powerful, all-trustworthy. But here's the thing. We have countless stories in the Bible of God working in people's lives. We've heard testimonies of God doing amazing things. We have Bible stories that we learn and we study from a young age about things that happened after Moses was alive. We have so much more evidence of God working than Moses ever had. We have more evidence of God's love, God's power, God's dependability than Moses ever did. We often say that Moses should have trusted God, and yes, he should have, but we say that knowing everything that's happened since Moses was alive. 
You see, Moses knew what the people came before him knew. So we have Adam and Eve, we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. There's some other people in there, but that's what Moses knew. And then we have all the people that came after. There's the nation of Israel. There's the judges, the prophets. And then we get to the New Testament. And Jesus came to reveal God to humanity in a whole new way. And then after Jesus left, we were left with the Holy Spirit, which indwells every believer. And the Holy Spirit reveals God to each and every one of us in new ways. And then we get testimonies from everybody sharing how God has impacted them. We have all of this all of this stuff that we know about God, and Moses only had this much. I'm not saying that Moses has a reason to have disobeyed God. I'm saying that we don't have a reason to disobey God. Another thing we say when we read this is, if God talked to me through a burning bush, yeah, I'd follow and believe him. I'm going to say this in a slightly different way. If God did something miraculous in my life, if God gave me a sign... I would follow and believe him. How many times have you said that? God, give me a sign. I'd like to challenge this a bit by saying, God is to be believed however he talks to you. We have this thing, it's called a Bible. That's how God talks to us. He gave us the Bible so that we can hear from God whenever and wherever we may be. I would argue that the, the Bible is a pretty miraculous thing on its own. If God worked through over 40 authors over the course of around 1,500 years to bring us the living, breathing Word of God, I would say that's kind of like our very own burning bush in the palm of your hand. Or you can get it on your phone. Burning bush right there on your phone. Or you can get little ones that you can put on your keychain. Burning bushes right in the palm of your hand, all pointing to the burning bush of the cross. The ultimate burning bush. Why don't we believe God when he speaks to us through the word? And then we say, oh, if God did something miraculous in my life, I would believe him. All this is about Moses still saying no. But I find God's response to be even more fascinating. Listen to what it says again. So we have Moses says, uh, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And then we have what God said. Who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall speak. God doesn't say, oh, yeah, right. You know, I, I forgot that I made you to be a horrible public speaker. No, God says, hey, Moses, you know that I'm the one who actually made your mouth, right? Hey, hey, Moses, you know that without me, you don't actually exist. I will be with you. Now go, talk. I will show you what you shall speak. Moses has one small problem with this. Fear. And what do you think he said? No, I don't want to. I'm afraid. God wants to use each and every one of us. So we need to be ready in the ordinary parts of our day. We need to be willing to let go of the things that are in our hand and let those things be used by God, by throwing them down to him. That's how far Moses got. But he didn't do the last thing, not here anyways, which is trusting that God will give you what you need when it comes down to it. Giving over to God the things that 
are not in your hand. The things that either you don't have or the things that you don't think you have. Trust in God with the unknown. So what's not in your hand? What is the, the great unknown in your life? We need to give to God what's not in our hand. What do I mean by this? Well, looking back to Moses, we see that Moses didn't think he was a good speaker. God said, speak. That was God calling Moses into an unknown. I know in my life I had a moment similar to that where uh, I was in high school and I saw someone sitting on their own and I felt something inside me saying, go, talk to this person. But I didn't put the pieces together and think that, oh, this is God telling me to do this. So I told myself, no, I'm, I'm too awkward. I don't know what to say. It would just be weird. And maybe it would have been weird. Maybe it would have been really awkward. But that's okay. At least I would have obeyed. I don't know where that person is now. I don't know who they are. I don't know what they're doing. But all I know is that I should have gone up and talked to them. So if you feel God tugging at your heart to talk to a specific person, don't hold back. Don't ignore those feelings. Go up to them. Have a conversation with them. Maybe if they don't live close by, call them and just talk to them. Another way God calls people into the unknown is by calling them out of their jobs. Now, I'm not saying, go, quit your job just because you don't like it. No, I'm saying, if you feel pulled away from your job, prayerfully consider what God wants you to do and then obey. Because God provides where he calls. If God calls you somewhere, he will provide if you're following him faithfully. Uh, another thing God can call you to do is to pray for somebody. This might feel like a huge unknown thing, but God calls you to pray for people. You might feel, I'm not good at praying. Or you might think, I sound dumb. My prayers don't make it to God, so they don't make a difference. Why would I be praying for people? But if you feel called to pray for someone, then pray for someone. Your prayers can change someone's life. If you feel called to pray for someone, then do it. After the service, people can come forward for prayer. And if you feel called to come pray for someone, then just come, pray. We're a church. We won't, we won't judge you. Praying is a normal thing here. So I just want to ask you guys three questions. Starting with, are you ready? Are you ready in an ordinary day? Are you reading your Bible and spending time with God? Are you in a place where God can use you when you're at work, at school, on your sports teams? Are you ready to throw down what's in your hand? Are you ready to sacrifice your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your relationships, in order for those things to bring glory to God? Are you ready to be called into the unknown? Are you ready for God to ask you to do something that you don't feel prepared to do? Something you don't feel ready for? Are you willing to respond positively to what God has for you and the next assignment he gives you? Because God will give you what you need when it comes down to it, when you're faithfully following where he wants you to go. As the worship team comes up to play one last song, I'd just like to open an invitation during this last song to come up and if you need prayer, then pray. And 
Other people will meet you up at the front to pray for you. If you're feeling called or moved to pray for someone, don't hold back. Maybe you feel called to pray for someone who's sitting three pews behind you. Go up to them. Pray for them. Maybe you're feeling called to pray for someone who's across the sanctuary. Walk over to them. Pray for them. And if they're comfortable, lay your hands on them and just pray and obey. Dear God, thank you for, for everything that you have to say for us through Moses and through your scriptures. I pray that you would help us to be ready in an ordinary day. Help us to seek you every day and be ready at work, at home, at school, to encounter you. I pray that you would help us to know what's in our hand and to surrender those things to you so that you can use them. I pray that you would help us to be ready for when you call us into the unknown. When you call us to do something that we don't want to do, I pray that you would be with us and help us to make it through those times. I pray all of this in your name. Amen.